Good morning. Howdy, howdy. It's downpouring rain. It is downpouring rain, which is so much better than the S word. We don't say the S word around here anymore. No. And in case anybody is wondering, it's not shit. <laughs> <laughs> After the last seven months in the great state of Wyoming, we are shit full of snow. <laughs> You're not supposed to say the S word. I know. But they did say that we're supposed to get like a foot or something tonight. But it's downpouring rain right now, so we'll see what happens. We'll take it. We'll take it. Okay. I guess. I don't know. Whatever. I'm Tracy. I'm Samantha. This is The Suspended Sentence. So, I want to cover the case of the Sodder children today. Ooh. Have you ever heard of the Sodder children? Um, I haven't, but when you say the word children, I automatically go, great. Yeah. You're going to ruin my day. Well, this one's really weird, because... They Opposed may, to any of our other They sister. may be dead, they may be missing, they may be... We don't know what happened to these kids. Oh. Great. So this takes place on 1945, so we're going to go back a little while, um, on Christmas Eve. And that's where our story is going to begin, and it takes place in Fadsville, West Virginia. Okay. We're doing a West Virginia case today. So George Sauter immigrated to the U.S. Um, from Italy when he was 13 years old. And he met and fell in love with Ginny, who was also Italian. Now, the Kim Huni community is a very tight-knit Italian community in Fadsville at this time. Okay. It was a lot of Italian immigrants. That's... Love it. They were very tight. So, George was known to be um, a very opinionated man in the community in regards to current world events. <laughs> oh, okay. So, very opinionated man. Uh, their family was middle class, and George owned a trucking company for West Virginia. He just traveled around, did, like, deliveries, would move things. Like, that's what he did. Oh, okay. So, parents, George and Jenny, had nine children at home. Holy um, crap. They had ten, but their oldest was in the army and didn't live with them. So, nine children at home. Oh, my God. Okay. So, lots of babies. Uh, so, they were awoken one night they were on Christmas Eve um, by a fire. George and Ginny um, get their four get four of their children out of the home, leaving five still inside the house. The five children were still inside the house, shared two bedrooms upstairs. Oh no! Now a month before this fire started, um, a hauler showed up. So this is somebody that comes in just sees like if you need anything, like they'll just show up, they would just show up at properties and be like, "Do you have need anything that needs like hauled away? Um, you could pay me to take it for you." Kind of oh, like weird. a kind of like a garbage man, but like. They called themselves haulers. Okay. So a hauler had showed up at their house asking if they had needed anything moved. And it was said, and George said that he lingered around the back of the home um, near the fuse box for like a little while. And he just thought it was like a little weird that he just lingered on the property. Uh, the man had told him that the fuse box was going to cause a fire. And George says, no, it isn't because I just had a power company come out to do an inspection because he was having a new fireplace installed. So this guy's, like, lingering. He just, after the fire, he was like, that. now that I'm thinking about it, that was a weird interaction. Yeah. So a few days before. Um, well, and especially somebody that is a hauler, that, that's at, that that is their job for them to say, hey, is this up to code? You're going to have a house fire. That's pretty sus. Yeah, a little weird. Yeah. So a few days before, two of the children um, had, before the children, oh, my gosh, I can't say words today. A few days before, two of the children that had made it out of the house with George and Jenny saw a man that said that they were that he was watching the younger children getting off the bus coming home. So again, after the fire, one of the older siblings is like, "There wasn't a guy that was like watching the kids get off the bus the other day." 
Like, that's kind of weird. It's, it's, I feel like you see this a lot where after the fact you're, like, you read into any, any interaction that you've had and you're, like. Oh, yeah. Okay, that was weird. This is weird. That was weird. Well, when it happens, you're just like, oh, that was a weird interaction or though that's that's weird. You know, yeah. whatever. That person's weird or that's, you know. Weird going on. Until something happens to you and then you're like, okay, maybe that had meaning. Right. So back to the night of the fire. Um, about 1230 a.m., the phone rang and Ginny got up and answered it. So our, already kind of a weird evening. It's Christmas Eve, now Christmas. Right? The phone's ringing at 1230. She gets up. She answers it. She hears a female voice who asked to speak to somebody that she didn't, that Jenny didn't know. She said that it sounded like the woman was at a party. She heard, like, glasses clinking, lots of, like, Banter, you know, you know yeah. the sound of a party. Um, she said that she had the wrong number and she hung up on the woman. At 1230 at night? Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So, while, um, while one, the, um... While on the phone, Ginny noticed that the lights downstairs were still on. So earlier that night, the kids had got to open a few presents. Um, one of the older sisters had been working at, like, the grocery store and had been saving up all of her paychecks so that she could buy all of her younger siblings Christmas presents. Aww. And so when she came home Christmas Eve, she had all of her presents that she had been saving up to buy her eight siblings. Aww. And so all the kids got to open their sister's present on Christmas Eve. I love that. Me too. And so the kids, uh, the parents got tired around 1030 that night and the kids were like, it's Christmas Eve. Like we want to play with our new toys. Like, can we stay up? How kids are. And mom said, as long as they went and finished their chores and made sure all the lights were turned off, that that was fine. So she went downstairs because the light was still on at 1230 and she noticed, um, asleep on the couch, um, was one of her children. So she tucked her in and locked the front door. Mm -hmm. Normal evening. That's a normal motherly thing to do. It's not weird. So, uh, right as Jenny was about to fall asleep, she said that she heard a loud bang on the roof and it sounded like something was kind of rolling down, but she said she didn't think much of it. And she it was Santa Claus. It was Christmas Eve. It was Christmas Eve. She didn't think much of it. Yeah. Later, she would wake up um, and smell smoke and she would wake up George, grab their two-year-old while screaming for the rest of the children to get up and get out of the house. The parents and four children ran down the stairs and out the front door while yelling for the five remaining children. They waited, and then George ran back into the house um, when they didn't come down. He was like, "We gotta go! I gotta go back in and get the kids. Like, they're not coming. George was stopped at the stairs because the stairs were completely covered in flames. Oh, no. George thinks quick, though, and said to Ginny, I have to use that ladder that I set on the side of the house yesterday. I'll use the ladder and I'll climb in and carry them out. He goes out there, and the ladder is gone. Oh, no. This ladder would later be found 100 feet from the house in a ditch. When he says he remembered because he was, he, they were doing housework, mm -hmm. he's like, I said it here. The ladder right. has been moved. He then has the idea to use one of his towing trucks to drive back and climb up on to try and get to the children's window. Neither of his three trucks would start. He had worked on the trucks the day before. Weird things are happening, right? This yeah, is weird. Yeah, that's not weird. Huh? <clears throat> yeah, that's not weird. That somebody did that. Right? Yeah. So one of the seven, um, one of the seven, one of the children, seventeen-year-old daughter, had been sleeping. Was the one sleeping on the couch that mom tucked in, and she ran to the neighbor's house because it's nineteen forty-five. Like they don't have cell phones. You're running to the next, and they can't get into their house to use their phone. So she runs to the neighbor's house to call the fire department, but no one answered. So another neighbor 
ran to the fire station, which was 2.5 miles from the Sauter home. But the fire chief was not there. He was in a nearby tavern and was said he was too drunk to drive the fire truck. Holy shit. He said he would make some calls to the other firefighters and wake them up. The fire truck would take seven hours to show up to the home. Oof. Seven hours. By the time they got there, the house was completely burned to the ground. Oh, no. They looked through the ashes to see if they could find the children's remain, but none were ever found. Oh. But they would only investigate this for two hours, the fire department. It was determined the fire was ca- caused by faulty wiring in the fuse box. And the fire chief says that the fire must have been so aggressive that it must have just, like, completely just cremated the children. But if you know, and I looked into this, do you know how hot a fire has to be to burn bone? Well, and teeth don't ever burn. The fact that there was five children upstairs and there was no bones, no teeth, nothing. Yeah. And he's like, no, the fire was just that hot. Well, it could have been. House fires are really hot. And you think about all of the, um, you know, that what what's the word I'm, the accelerants of fire that are in a house. Mm-hmm. I looked into a lot of, um, like, firemen that have weighed in on this, and they say that it's, like, a .01% chance that it was hot enough to do that. Really? You have to be in an incinerator when you're being cremated for, like, hours in order for that to happen. Oh, my God. Wow. So, wild. Yeah. So, a week later, the coroner would show up with death certificates for all five missing children. That's brutal. So the Sodders would never rebuild this house. Um, instead, they converted the site into a memorial garden for their lost children. They yeah. built a garden over, over where the house had stood. In the 1950s, as um, uh, as it came about that they, they were like, everybody's like, your children perished in this fire. Their parents were like, this doesn't actually add up. All of the things I said, they're like, this seems like, was the house fire a distraction yeah. for somebody to, like, kidnap our children? Right. Like, this doesn't make sense. The ladder was moved. The trucks wouldn't start. The fire department didn't respond for seven hours. There's no bones. There's no evidence that the children were in the house. Yeah. Now, if we recall, Mama had said, you guys can stay up as long as you finish your chores. Uh-huh. Those chores included, like, putting the chickens in. Collecting, like, any, like, farm stuff, like, at the end of the day that they needed to do. Putting pigs away. Putting, uh, <laughs> your dog just coughed and it really threw me off. Um, things like that. So they were, it would have been outside around 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Which, today, you're like, that sounds really crazy. But if you live out on, like, a farm and if, your, wor- if your work isn't done, <laughs> right. you go out and you finish your work. Right. If you haven't milked the cow, you got to go out and milk the cow. If you haven't gone and collected eggs, you need to go collect eggs. Like, that's not super abnormal in my head, at least. What is your opinion on that? Do you think well, that's no, weird? because we do that. <laughs> we right. go out to, I mean, you go and check animals, you go. I mean, that's not. Right. So, mom started to think. I mean, maybe in December it's a little weird, but because, I mean, it's cold, and so your animals are taken care of before the sun goes down, but... But again, it's Christmas Eve, so, I mean, who knows? Right. 
So mom started to believe maybe the kids never came inside. Yeah. She was like, maybe they were never in here. So the family then put up a billboard um, at the site along State State Route 16 with pictures of the five children, offering a reward for any information that would close this case. Because they were like, we don't believe you. They're alive. In support of their belief um, that the children survived, the Sauters had pointed um, to a, were pointed to a number of unusual circumstances before the fire. George disputed the, um, the fire department's finding of the blaze being caused by electrical because, like I said, he had just had his electrical yeah. in- inspected. He's yeah. like, I just had this done. Um, so George and his wife then sus- started to suspect arson. They yeah. were like, was the rolling that she heard them throwing something on the roof to catch on fire? Or was it somebody up there taking the kids? Or was it, yeah. Yeah. So, this led to theories surrounding the Sicilian, I can't say words today, mafia, the Italian mafia. Mm. So, George, like I said, it was a very outspoken man, and he had been very, um, giving a lot of criticism towards the fascist government of his native Italy Uh while there, and like I said, it's a very tight-knit italian town well and italians are very proud very proud and he was very outspoken against the italian italy Mm -hmm. and apparently he had like he had lost a job due to this he had he wasn't making making buddies by speaking out against this so then he was like did i piss off the wrong person is this retaliation for that so the driver of the bus that passed through um, their town on late Christmas Eve said that he had seen some people throwing balls of fire towards the house. Um, and a few months later, when the snow melted, Sylvia found a small, hard, dark green rubber ball in a brush nearby that looked like it had been charred. Mm-hmm. So she was like, I don't think that this was electrical fire. Once again. She said it looked like a pineapple bomb. Oh, no. And, um, which is like a hand grenade, but it's like a ball that you catch on fire pretty much. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the family later claimed, um, contrary to the fire marshal's conclusion, once again, this is not a house, an electrical fire, but they just couldn't prove it. Other witnesses claimed that they had seen the soldered children themselves after the fire. One woman who had been watching the fire from the road said that she had seen them peering, um, seen them peering by out of a passing car while the ha- like leaving the burning building. Another woman said that she saw them at a rest stop between Lafayette and Charleston, and that she had served them breakfast the next morning at a little diner, and noted the appearance of the car with Florida license plate um, at the restaurants in the restaurants parking lot. On one occasion, George saw a magazine photo of a group of young ballet dancers in New York City, one of them looking like his youngest daughter, Betty. He drove all the way to the school where, after repeatedly demanding to see the girl, he was refused. They wouldn't let her see him. With with the end of official efforts to resolve the case, the Sauter family didn't give up the hope, though. They then began printing flyers up of the children, offering a $5,000 reward which soon would double for any information leading. So they have the billboards. He's driving all over the country. Anytime he sees a photo that looks like his children, he's like, they were looking for them this whole time. The family's efforts soon brought another reported sighting of the children after the fire. Ida Crutchfield, a woman who ran a Charleston hotel, 
claimed to have seen the children approximately a week after the fire. She said she didn't remember the exact date in her statement, um, but she said that the children had came in around midnight with two men and two women who appeared to be of Italian, um, like, descent. Uh Um, When she attempted to speak with the children, one of the men looked at her um, with a hostile manner. He turned around and they began rapidly speaking Italian. She recalled um, that that day they left she, they left the hotel very early the next morning. Investigators today do not, however, consider the story to be credible. Why? That's all she said. Huh. Um, she said she had only seen photos of the children two years after the fire, and five, um, but it was five years after that she would come forward with that information. Why? She came. God, I have so many questions. Right. So then, like I said, George followed up any leads in person, traveling to areas anywhere that a tip would come in. A woman in St. Louis, Missouri, claimed that Martha was being held in a convent there. A bar patron in Texas claimed to have overheard two other people making um, incriminating statements about a fire that happened on Christmas Eve in West Virginia. Um, all of the police said all of them were insignificant leads. Hmm. But that didn't stop George from going and talking to these people himself. He would drive to Texas, anywhere he was there. Um, When George later heard that a relative of Jenny's in uh, Florida had children that looked similar to his, the relative had to prove the children um, were actually theirs before George would leave their home. He was like, prove to me that they're your children. They look like mine. Oh, man. Get me a birth certificate. Show me that you're my children. And he would not leave their property until he did. Wow. In 1967... George went to the Houston area to investigate yet another tip. A woman there had written to the family saying that Lewis had revealed um, his true identity, so his son Lewis, um, to her one night after having too much to drink. She believed that he and Maurice, another son, were living in Texas together somewhere. However, George and his son-in-law, Grover Paxton, were unable to speak with this woman. Police there were able to find the two men who had, that she had indicted, and they denied being the missing children. State and federal officials then finally decided to investigate the case further in their um, early 1960s, but yielded no new information. The family did, um, however, uh, later receive what many would, have, would believe to this day as pictures of the children as adults around 1970. People would be sending them pictures of children, like, with their names on the back of it. Like, that, to me, if you know that it's not them, that's really cruel. That is really cruel. That's really cruel. Um, the surviving Sauter children um, believed for the rest of their lives that their five missing siblings survived. Everybody in this family was like, they weren't here. Right. Everybody in this family was like, they weren't here. George Sauter would die in um, 1969, and Jenny and her surviving children, except John, who um, would never talk about that night of the fire, except to the family, um, accepted that they needed to move on with their lives and seek seek some peace from this. But Sylvia uh, Sauter Paxton, the youngest surviving of the siblings, the two-year-old that mom carried out, died in 2001 or not 2001, 2021, I did what you do there sometimes. Um, And she said that her earliest memory was leaving the house. She remembers, she says that she remembers seeing the fire. She was two. I don't know if that's real, but she swears that she remembers it. She told the Gazette Mail in 2013 that her and her father would often stay up late talking about what might have happened. 
She said, I survived the experience of this grief my entire life. I believe that my children are still alive. And I've asked my daughter, um, she promised her, me and her grandparents she would never let this story die and that she would continue to fight for answers to what happened to my siblings. And she does. Her daughter still posts and asks and wonders if anybody's grandparents have any answers or parents have any answers. Wow. Post pictures of the children. Wow. Whole nine yards. I think that they got out. I don't think they were there. I think that there's too many people that said that they saw them places on a certain route for them to, and there was no bones, no teeth, no anything. I don't think that they were there. Well, the problem is, is that there's no closure. Right. And uh, I don't know, you know, the standard to which agencies were held back in 1945 or when, honestly, like fire departments or anything came to be. I don't, I don't know that information. If that would happen today, whew. Seven hour respond time. You would have, no, the fact that the, the person who was on duty was at a bar and too drunk to respond. Like the lack of, of reaction would be a lawsuit that that county would not soon forget, right? Oh, yeah. Because we pay them out of our property taxes and, and you know, state ta- whatever, whatever taxes is what funds them, right? They work for us. But I, that's really, there's no closure. There's no answers at all. And the way that it was treated, you know, clearly, I mean, from the information that was provided, because dad was a dick. Dad was an asshole. He was mm-hmm. out there running his mouth and being really loud and pissing people off. But even so, he's a human being with 10 children. Right. And it's not him that something happened to. It's these innocent children. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of really bizarre things. I mean, everything could be non-related and it could be all related. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is, is that there's no, there's no body. There's right. no dental. There's no, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. But if there wasn't an investigation, who knows how well the debris was went through? Who knows? Yeah, because they only investigated it for two hours. Yeah, and if you're looking at, you know, a big house that is burnt down. I mean, you've got a lot of ash and debris to go through to find something as small as, you know, a a child's tooth. Right. And this just becomes generational now. Like, yeah, it's passed on. Like the youngest child is now she's passed and passed that on to her children who made a promise and probably, you know, that becomes generational. It's generational. Trauma. No, trauma that there's no closure mm-hmm. to because, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's that's unfortunate. And it's probably cases like this that make the laws applicable, whatever, that, that there are today, right? Yeah. When I read Could that- you imagine your house being on fire and your children being in it and calling the fire department and then being like, oh, bro- it's Christmas Eve. I'm at the bar. I'm too drunk to drive the fire truck. The I'll two miles around. down the road. I'll call around. No, just the Ugh. whole, the whole, all of it. Could you imagine that phone call? Yeah. In 2023, somebody would be fired. Someone would be sued. Someone would be, I mean, it would be. Wrongful death suits going on. <laughs> but the vehicles, all three of the vehicles not starting, the ladder being moved. I mean, there is. And again, it could all be not related, but it all could be related. That's a lot of really weird things to happen in one night. 
Right, but there's panic also. So, I mean, you might not, cars weren't like they are now where you just push a button and it starts. I mean, he could have been, well, not could have been. Undoubtedly, he was panicking. and mm -hmm. But those ladders, I mean, if he's talking the kind of ladder that I'm thinking of, those like are the not. thick wooden ladders. Those are not easy to move and they're heavy and. I was thinking of like an extension ladder. Yeah, you know the big wooden ones from like the old days? Oh. oh. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a weird case because it's like, we don't know. So either somebody got away with like the perfect crime and did use the fire as a distraction. Because if that woman was sitting there watching the house burn and did see like a whole bunch of children in a car leaving that same general area... How do you get away with something, make another distraction? Well, and where are the kids? I mean, people kept seeing them for years and years and years. You'd think that at some point they they'd have spoke up if they were still alive. Yeah. I don't know. George said right before he di died that if, at this point, if they weren't speaking up and if it was the, like, Italian mafia, that they maybe had threatened to, like, kill the rest of the family or they were scared to come out of hiding. I don't know. Or if they were living in a convent and can't come out and talk. I don't know. That's, yeah. It's just, an, just enough reasonable doubt to give parents hope, which is cruel. Yeah, and that's why I was saying the people, because it's the, it's the late 40s, early 50s. It's not like tabloids, I don't think, were the way that, I don't think media spread the way that it does no. now. No, no, no. So if you drive by and still see all this billboard and then male black and white photos of children that look similar like and they weren't and you knew that that's really cruel yeah that's cruel like that poor family yeah that's awful well that was a lovely case thank you you're welcome <laughs> thanks for joining us guys thanks guys stay safe